Well, good morning. Good to see everybody. You have Bob coming up here doing announcements like that. I don't get up here and see all your faces at one time, so this is kind of nice. Before we get rolling this morning, I just want to uh, do a shout out to our Grace Kids team. They had the first annual pool party yesterday and uh, had a great time. Uh, they had it at Diane Drown's house and Claudia Cantwell kept the kids moving with activities and fun stuff. Uh, and then Diana Adamzak was there for the energy and the excitement and then Deb Grenick was there to make sure everything just was taken care of. That's what Deb does. So Deb said the kids didn't want to leave and uh, so that's good. I'm sure the parents thought that would be great, but Diane probably thought, yeah, no, you guys can go ahead and go home. So it's just really neat to see because, you know, as we continue to grow uh, and see our team grow and people jumping up and getting involved and doing stuff, like Ellie decided to have a baby, so she wasn't there. <laughs> you know, always got the excuse. <laughs> um, but her team did it, you know, so that's, that's awesome. That's so good uh, to see. So thank the Lord for that. Um, the second chorus of this last song that we said is, it says, As you speak, a hundred billion creatures catch your breath, responding in pursuit of what you said. If it all reveals your nature, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you say, every painted sky, a canvas of your grace. We saw that last night. The sky was pretty cool. If creation still obeys you, so will I. And that's, that's a great summary for the topic today. The topic today is, for, for those who enjoy Latin, soli deo gloria, or for God's glory alone. We've been in this series um, talking about these solas, this, these things that we are to be. And so we are, well, hi, Bill. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> hey, just come on down and sit down, you know. Don't worry about me. I just got something going on here. Yeah, well, yeah, anyways, great to have you. Anyways, where was I? Oh, yeah. So God's done some awesome, some awesome stuff in Bill's life. God has done some awesome stuff, right, in this world, creation and, and what he's done in our lives. And it's, so it's, it should just simply be our response back to, to glorify God, to show who God is through our, our lives. We exist for God's glory. And so the question is, for us is, do we? I mean, do we see that in ourselves and for ourselves, that we're supposed to exist for God's glory, to, to show Him? Is that why we get up every morning? You know, are we getting up to do other things? You know, to go to work for other reasons, to, to be in relationship with other people for other reasons than that? If you've placed your faith in Christ, if you're one who you say, yeah, I, I've done that, and not, that means from what we've learned in the last several weeks, that God, in that sense, owns you. You are a child of God. You're, you're one of His, and so therefore your whole purpose changes in life. You no longer live for yourself, but you live for what God wants to do in and through you. So we're finishing up this series of Sola, uh, and again, it just means alone. And there's our, our five pillars, and I, I crossed out faith, and I put life in there, because I, I was thinking this week, yeah, we talk about faith, and it's one of those Christianese words that we're going to talk about today. Glory is a Christianese word. So we talk about faith. You know, you've got to have faith. You gotta, I'm not going to start singing, but I'm just saying, you know, you, you know, faith in that, and faith in this, and faith, faith, faith. Okay, okay. These are the five pillars of our life, because if we've placed our faith in Christ, that means our life has changed. And so according to Scripture alone, which we talked about several weeks ago, we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, 
for God's glory alone. So we've already dealt with those first four. We're going to finish up with God's glory alone. But here's the deal. If you, how you do the first four <laughs> impacts if you accomplish the last. So for instance, if you're a person who says, yeah, the Bible, you know, you got to do what the Bible says. Bible, 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 Bible. But you've never placed your faith in Christ. In other words, you're a religious person. You're a moral person. But you've never placed your faith in Christ. You're not giving glory to God. Because it takes all four of these. Or if you've placed your faith in Christ, but you're not being obedient to Him. You're not doing what the Bible says. Well, then you're not giving glory to God. You're not living for God's glory alone. But if you have placed your faith in Christ and you're doing life God's way, then you will just naturally give glory to God or live for God's glory alone. There's a verse, if you're doing any reading on the five solas, there's a verse that almost every author would put up, and it's 1 Corinthians 10.31. It says, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So even our eating and our drinking can be done or should be done for the glory of God. I remember as a kid, I read that, and I remember thinking, wow, you know, how I eat or what I eat or how I drink or what I drink, that's all, that could be to God's glory. And if you ever saw our dinner table with the five boys around the dinner table, you know, you'd be wondering, you know, maybe you guys should be living for God's glory a little bit. Because it was a whole defensive struggle. You know, you get the food on your plate and then you ate with one utensil but kept the other utensil up because you got four brothers that are going to try to take your food. And I, my mom was all about, my mom was always, always about equal. I'm going to equal. So she would cut the cake, you know, equally and put it on the plate and we're all supposed to take one. But as soon as she did that, we're all like looking to see if there's one a little bit bigger. So one day we're looking and my brother's like, that one's mine. Just licked his finger and stuck it right into the cake. So I took it. <laughs> We didn't have COVID back then, you know, so we, were, we just had all the other ones that could kill you. But anyways, anyways, I'm, I'm way off track here. So anyways, so even our eating and drinking can bring God glory. But here's the deal. Like I said before, this is a very Christianese word. And for those who don't know what Christianese is, it's what, how Christians talk amongst themselves. All right. So a lot of times you'll be talking, you know, out at work and that kind of stuff. And then a couple of Christians will get together and they start talking, and they start talking some weird language. They're using all these weird words, you know, God's glory, and you got to have faith in that, and justification here, and sanctification here. It's one of these Christianese words. So what we're going to do today, we're going to break this Christianese word glory down, so that we can understand what it means. All right, because it impacts uh, our life and how we should to live. So you guys ready for that? All right. So let me just give you a definition. The official. New Unger's Bible Dictionary. New Unger's. Great name. Um, anyways, it says this, the exercise and display of what constitutes the distinctive excellence of God. Got to have an English accent here. The manifestation or the revealing of his divine attributes, in other words, who he is, and his perfections, what he does, or such a visible splendor, a light or brightness, as indicates the possession and presence of these attributes and perfections. That help? That you're all like, okay, yeah, no, I got it. We can go home now. Yeah, yeah. For me too, it didn't really help. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to explain it the way I would explain it to myself. And maybe that would help you. All right, because I'm pretty simple and uh, need things explained pretty uh, cut and dry for us. 
So if you can think of it this way, especially if you're taking notes, <clears throat> God's glory is two things in general. It's an attribute. An attribute is just some, something that he is. And we all have attributes about ourselves. This is something about who he is. But it's also an action. It's something he does. All right, that's what the whole revealing uh, is about. So we all live out who we are, right? We don't do it perfectly. You know, we like to think of ourselves better than what we are. Um, I was talking to somebody here recently, and um, I won't say who it was, but I was just talking to somebody <laughs> recently, and just cracked me up. And uh, they were saying, like, they were talking to somebody they knew, and they're talking about salvation, and the person's like, well, no, I'm, you know, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. The person says, like, you're dealing drugs. What do you mean you're a good person? Everybody thinks they're better than what they really are, right? So... Um, anyway, so we live out who we are. Well, God does that, and he does it perfectly, does it completely. He is who he is, and he lives out who he is. So it's, it's an attribute. So I'll get move on. So this message, John says, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness. So an attribute of God is that he is light. He's not a light. These lights are not God. He is light. And what's that mean? It's kind of hard for us to, to grasp because we're kind of, you know, we're held inside of this flesh. But I'll try to explain it. So God is so pure, so sinless, so without sin. I mean, there's just nothing sinful at all. He's just so pure that in who he is, in his spirit, it, it, it is reflected out in light. It's bright. He's so pure. He's shiny, if you want to put it that way. This is how pure God is. It's, it's who he is. He is light. So we see it when Jesus was born in Luke 2. Uh, it talks about that the, the glory of the Lord shone round about the angels. It wasn't the angels that were bright. It was God's presence that was there. Because again, he's spirit, but his presence was there, and so it shone like a bright light. That's how pure he is. Or Jesus at his transfiguration, when he had his, what we call his pre-glorified body. Um, uh, Peter, James, and John were up on the, on the hill with him, and he, he has this transfiguration, it's called. And so it's the glory of God that's shown around Jesus. Um, we also have it with, uh, in Revelation 21, this is pretty cool. So, when it's said and done on this earth and God destroys this earth, we go up to the new heaven and the new earth that he's going to create, Revelation 21. It's God's presence who's going to light up that world. So we have the sun today, and we have the moon that reflects the sun at night, but it's going to be him. There's not going to be any night. He is going to be the light that is going to shine <laughs> in the new heaven and new earth, which is pretty cool. But it's also what we fall short of. We fall short of God's glory, his perfection, his purity. So we can't get ourselves to heaven. There's just no way for us to do that because we are impure. We are sinful. And no matter how good we think we are, as we've learned in the last several weeks, God doesn't see us that way. And so God has to do something which he's done through Jesus Christ on the cross. So who God is comes out in what he does. So he is glory. He is this light, and it's going to come out in what he does, and so there's also an action. So anytime God does something in the scripture, anytime God does something in our life, anytime God is faithful to what he says about himself in the scripture, he is 
glorifying himself. He's revealing himself. And so we see that most, uh, of course, clearly in Jesus Christ. So the Apostle John writing in John chapter 1, he says this right towards the beginning, And the Word, speaking of God the Son, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And in verse 18, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, or Jesus, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. And so Jesus Christ is the one who explains to us, who shows us who God is. He is God the Son, so he is God. And then he became flesh, he became a man. And so now he, he is the one who is showing us who God is. So we can see it with our eyes. We can read about it in Scripture Jesus talks about this in his prayer in John 17. So Jesus is praying before going to the cross. And in this prayer, we know that he's actually praying for you and me today, which is kind of an awesome thing as he goes in. But he starts out the prayer this way. So Jesus, talking to God the Father, says, I glorify you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. So how did he glorify God? He did some things. He let us see who God is. Nope, go back. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So Jesus is actually talking about both aspects of glory here, the showing of it, but also going back to his original place with God, God the Son at at God's right hand. So Jesus lived for God's glory alone. And we've talked about this a lot. So the way to summarize Jesus' life is that Jesus lived to glorify God or to reveal him through an obedient life. That's how they, people saw who God was that drew people to him for salvation. Now, God also wants to glorify himself in our life. He wants to show himself to us. And so I'm throwing up a, a passage of Scripture that we're all familiar with. We've talked about it a lot if you've attended here for any length of time. And I'm doing this for several reasons. One, because I just love this passage. Uh, it has great promise in it. Uh, Two, in our day and age, we hear more and more people who have anxiety, people who are depressed and who are struggling. And and so I want to bring this back up because here is the way we find spiritual healing from a spiritual, we call metaphysical problem of depression. And this is how God reveals himself to us. One of the ways, a bunch of ways. I'm just giving you one very, very practical way. So the Apostle Paul says, be anxious for nothing which those of us who deal with anxiety and depression, we're like, yeah, really? Anyways, but be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, an attribute of God is that he is peace. He doesn't give you like a little chunk of peace. He is peace. He gives you himself, okay? So the peace of God, which surpasses all, and we can't describe it, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, sounds an awful lot like God, right? Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell well. That's that. Uh, we, we hear about these, I talk about this quite a bit. This is the that present active imperative. It's a command, and it's present active. It means it's ongoing, day in, day out, no matter what the circumstance. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to dwell on these things. What things? The things that are true, the things that are honorable, the things that are right, the things that are pure. So we who are challenged in our thinking, and we're struggling with negative thoughts, where is our mind supposed to be going to? It's supposed to be going to the things of God. All right? 
So dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, in Paul, and what he's done in life, practice these things, another one of those present active imperatives, and the God of peace will be with you. So here's a promise from God, a revealing of God, a glorification of God to us or in us, that God will be our peace if we do what he says to do. So in our prayer, which is kind of the worship aspect of prayer, and in our supplicating, which is a big word for asking, we are to be thankful, including for the things that's causing us to be anxious. We're to be thankful for that. Why? Because it's what causes us to have to turn to Him for the strength and whatever it is that we need to get through whatever it is that's causing us anxiety. And then God will give us Himself. And when we experience that peace, we're like, wow, God's, God's doing it. God's being faithful to that. And we get through that situation, and we come up to another situation that's causing us anxiety, and then we forget it, right? And then we, we get all worked up and frustrated, and, oh, no, i got to remember. No, i got to do what... But it, it's, it's us being in God's Word. It's why we cram, you know, I just, I kind of beat this dead horse all the time. we got to be in God's Word. we got to be studying God's Word. we got to be meditating on God's Word. we got to be memorizing God's Word. we got to be in God's Word, because it's God's Word that God the Holy Spirit's going to use to get our thinking back to where it needs to be, okay? So anyway, so that's one of the ways that God reveals himself to us in a very practical way, I think, for all of us uh, to, to have and to, to hold on to. So that's, that's a quick explanation. It's an attribute, and it's an action, and uh, hopefully that helped you. So 1 Corinthians 10.31 says that we are to glorify God. So how do we do that? What are some ways that we can glorify God? I'm going to give you three kind of overriding or general ways, rather than pick through a bunch of different ones in the Bible, we're going we're gonna to hit uh, three just general ways that we can do this. So, uh, or why we should, I'm sorry. So why we should glorify God. So the first one is this. He's our creator. We're going to get to how we do it later. So this is um, why, why we should. Boy, I'm telling you. I've got Philippians 4, 6 in my head, so <laughs> let me get back to this. So Revelation 4.11 says this, Worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. And so why we glorify God? Because he's our creator. He's the one who created us. Now I know there's people who say, well, no, it's kind of an evolutionary process. Well, if if you believe it's an evolutionary process, then you worship the great God, Ev, which is what my father-in-law calls evolution, the great God, Ev, and, and you then glorify that process. But we believe God is the one who created. And he created, not because he needed us, not because he's like, oh, I need something to do. You know, I'm lacking in who I am. No, he did it. Why? Because of his own will, his own desire. He, he just wanted to do it. He wanted to share himself with those that he created. And so he's our creator. Colossians 1.16 says he, he did this... Um, for himself, that when he created, he created us for him. Notice he didn't create us to live our life. You know, he didn't create me to go, Harold, you go be free and do whatever it is you want to do. That's how everyone lives, but that's how supposed to live. He created us for himself. Isaiah 43, we were created for his glory. So in us, something in us, which we'll talk about in a little bit, something in us, there's something about us that actually shows him to others. And so he did that to show who he is. How awesome, holding baby Ben the other day and sitting next to me was Hagen. 
So Hagen's about 6'3", and, uh, you know, Ben is like, you know, a foot and a half, <laughs> you know, 18 inches, whatever. And I'm holding him. I, I held him this way. I didn't hold him this way. I was, I was good. But I'm looking. I'm looking at his hands, and his hands are as lined as mine are. You know, and, and then I was thinking, you know, inside him are stomach and a heart and lungs and gallbladder and all that. And I looked over at Hagen. I looked down at his stomach, looked at Hagen's stomach, and I'm thinking, man, the same stuff that's in him is in him. His are bigger than mine, of course, because uh, he's taller. Anyways, it's just, it's just awesome. God created us, you know, for, for him, for his glory. How do you not believe that there's a God who designed? When you look at a baby, the, the birth of a baby. Anyways, also with that, he's our, he's our provider. Daniel 5.23 so God's talking to a non-believing king. He's an enemy of Israel, actually. He says this, But the God in whose hand are your life breath and all your ways, you have not glorified. His life breath. You know, God, whether as a Christian or a non-Christian, the reason why anybody is living today is because God is allowing them to live. God's allowing them to have their breath. God's allowing them to do whatever it is that they're doing today. God's allowing you to be sitting here. God's allowing me to be speaking. Some of you guys wish I'd hurry up, but whatever the case, he's, he's the provider. Colossians 1.17, in him all things hold together. If you're wondering why is it that our, our universe doesn't just, just completely pull apart, Jesus is holding that together. He holds our bodies together. He's the glue, if you want to put it that, that, put it that way, that, that holds everything together. Acts 17 says, For in him we live and move and exist. Why can we do what we do? Because God allows it. Whether you're a Christian or not Christian, it doesn't matter. God's allowing that. And so he should be glorified. And in Matthew 6, we talk about it a lot, that God says, I promise to meet your needs. You, you live for my righteousness and you live for my purposes. I'm going to make sure you have everything you need to accomplish that. And of course, the last one that we, we focus on a lot is the fact that God chose to save us from our sin and from, from hell. And so, 1 Corinthians, if that's my agent, tell him I'll get back to him. It says, uh, for you have been... Uh, well, you know, he's, he, he gets everybody's numbers, starts calling me. I'm just, whatever. I'm so wanted. Anyways... He says this, For you have been bought with a price, or, or saved. Therefore glorify God in your body. So those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, we've been bought with a price. It's, it, the price was Christ's blood. And so he's bought us. Now, the, the specific context here is sexual uh, purity or sexual immorality in the sense that in the church there were people who were involved sexually that shouldn't be. They weren't, they weren't married and they were involved sexually. And so Paul was saying, hey, listen, Christ died for that sin. Christ is there to free you. The sexual relationship between a husband and a wife, that's where, that's where it belongs. It's something special and precious that I've created for marriage. We'll talk about it in a series we're having down the road from now. But in Genesis chapter 2, that's all about you know, a husband and a wife being intimate with each other and being involved with each other and vulnerable with each other. But it has everything, it's with everything else in our life, not just that. That God says, hey, listen, I've purchased you. You are now my child for me to, to use and to impact the world around you. So there's, all of us have issues in our life that are not what God wants in our lives. We've been purchased with a price. And so we need to 
glorify God in our, our bodies. So then, what are some other ways we do that? First one is, by just existing. It's pretty cool. You can go on to the next slide. So how do we do this? So Genesis 1.27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. In, in God's own image, male and female, he created them. So God creates us in his image. The image has this idea of icon or, or representation of. And so not that God has a, a body. He does, of course, God the Son does, Jesus Christ. But God is spirit. So it's not that he has a spirit, but God has some personality traits. God has some things about it that makes him a person. And so we are people. See, I'm telling you, he's got, he's got, my, he's got your numbers. He's coming after me. Um, uh, they probably want me at some big conference. But anyways. Um, <laughs> And so it's, it's this, um, uh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> my, my, uh, oh yeah, the image. So we've been given his image. We have, his, we have personhood, the ability to think and to, to reason and to uh, emote, you know, our emotions and to have relationship. God's God of relationship. He made us a God of relationship. Uh, another way to do this, uh, so there's some attributes of God. And some of those attributes of God he shares with us in the sense that he, of course, is infinite and perfect in those, and we are not infinite and perfect in these things. And then there's some that only he has, that he doesn't share with us, if I want to put it that way. So some of the shared attributes, spirituality, knowledge, <clears throat> wisdom, truthfulness, faithfulness, goodness, love, mercy, grace, patience, holiness, peace, order, righteousness, justice, jealousy, the positive jealousy, because there is one, wrath, will, freedom, strength, beauty, glory. So those are shared things. So even a non-Christian person is spiritual in that sense. There's an aspect of the spiritual life that's dead, um, according to Scripture. Uh, you know, a non-Christian can have knowledge or can even use some wisdom. Um, you know, they can do right things, even though this not, doesn't mean anything in the sense of being right with God. The unshared attributes is independence, unchangeableness, eternity, omnipresence, which means being everywhere at once, unity, and invisibility. So there's some things about God that none of us will be able to ever experience because we're not God. Um, I obviously and you are obviously not invisible. Uh, God is. But the point being, we are created in his image. And so we have some of his, those attributes that we operate under, not that we're God, but that we operate under as um, humans, people of relationship, able to think um, and have emotion and all that kind of stuff. So then as it relates to being a Christian, a person who has placed their faith in Christ, there are some ways that we represent him or glorify him. And the first one is, and just in our general good works, all right? So Matthew, Jesus says this, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. So why do we do good works? Not to get to heaven, but to show who God is in our life. So they may glorify God. So they may turn their life over to Christ for salvation. So it's not that we walk around with a light on us. Now I do. If the light hits my head just right, you know, there might be a little bit of a halo going on. Uh, that's really not. That's just a halo. It's not me being, you know, super spiritual. But here's how um, Wayne Grudem, systematic theology, uh, here's how he put it. Though we do not now find ourselves surrounded by visible light, can you imagine that? If all Christians walked around with some sort of visible light on them, it'd be kind of silly. Anyways, it'd be terrible for hunting. Anyways, um, so anyways, not surrounded by a visible light, there is a brightness, a splendor, or a beauty about the manner of life of a person who deeply loves God and is often evident to those around such a person. 
And so not to pick on um, Stan, but I'm going to in a good way. Uh, we, we pick on Stan quite a bit, but I just want to, uh, Stan and Becky came over last night, um, dropped off a generator. So we said, hey, why don't you stay and eat some taco salad with us? And so we were just talking about life and talking, sharing stories. And Stan was just sharing some of his story. And he has a couple friends who, um, who know him from back in the days on the east side, running the streets, and now know him. And so like one of the guys said to Becky, what have you done to him? You know, he's not the same guy. Um, well, we know it was probably partially Becky, but also a lot of it was God at work. And so not that Stan walks around with a big light on himself, but his life has changed. And it continues to change, and we're helping with that, right? Don't want to get too big-headed. But no, God's done some neat things in his life. And so he's, he's going he's gonna to continue to grow, and we're going to continue to challenge him, help him grow. But he's going to grow to look more like Christ. And, and, and it's that kind of thing. So our good works shine a light on God, if you want to put it that way, so people know who he is. Uh, another one's Ephesians 5. It says, therefore, so by sacrificing for others is, is how we do it. It says, therefore, be imitators of God. We can mimic. That's what that word means, to be a mimic, to imitate. Uh, so we can imitate God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, and offering a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So, what a, you know, wouldn't it be awesome that if we got to heaven right now, if we could look up into heaven, God's like, hmm, those Grace Point people, they smell good. Yeah, wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, fragrant aroma. Oh, I like that. Hmm. Yeah, I hope he's doing that. I mean, I hope that's the case. But the, the whole point is that we, we are to sacrifice for others. And when we sacrifice for others, we're demonstrating who Christ is. We're demonstrating who God is. And I, I wrote this down. We look the most like Jesus when we love those who, we, um, who don't, who we think don't deserve to be loved. I flipped my words around there. So we, we most look like Jesus, we're most like him, when we love those that we look at and say they don't deserve to be loved, but we love them anyways. That's reflecting, that's mimicking God. That's glorifying God, revealing to that person who God is through how we're responding to them. Another one is being, being the church. Uh, this is a really cool one. Um, it says, to me, the, Paul's talking here. So to me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. What's the grace? To preach. What's the gift? To preach to the Gentiles uh, the unfathomable riches of Christ, in other words, salvation, and to bring light to what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. What's that? The church. The, the formation of this thing called the church. Those called out of the world to follow Christ who are together worshiping him. So that, why did he do that? So that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church, through you and me, to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. We don't quite understand it, but the way I kind of see it is this. Satan said, I want to be God. I'm worthy of being worshiped. And God's like, you think you're worthy to be worshiped? Just step back and let me show you some things. And so God creates this world. Satan tries to mess it up. God comes in and saves it. He saves it through Noah. Satan comes in, tries to mess it up. God saves it. And finally, God himself puts on flesh and dies for mankind. You don't think that shocks Satan and the demons? What kind of God would do that? You think Satan would do that? No. Why? Because he's not God. Only God did that. Only God could do that. 
And then he says this, it's through you, Grace Point Church, that we're going to show that incredible wisdom of mine. Pulling people from all different backgrounds, all different situations in life, all different kinds of struggles in life, and I'm going to put you together as a church who has placed their faith in Christ, and you guys are going to be representing me. You're going to glorify God as a church family. And you... Do you realize how important it is to be a church family? I mean, thank you all for being here this morning because this is what we should be doing. We we need to understand this is special. This is what God wants us to do because God is using this to impact the spiritual world around us, to show him spiritual world. This is important. This is where we need to be. This is what we need to be committed to. Our church family, helping each other do life God's way, impacting people for Christ. And then one directly connected to that, Peter taught, Peter 4, he says this, as each one has received a special gift, and this is talking about these spiritual gifts. We had a a serve class uh, last week. We talked about these different spiritual gifts that God gives us. He says, employ it. In serving, again, it's a command. So employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace, there's that word again, of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. Let me just stop real quickly. When I'm prepping for a message, I don't know about you guys, uh, I don't know if you know this, but this, that's a huge burden for me. And it's not a pat on the back for me. Because I read that verse and I'm like, oh man, I'm speaking as if God's speaking. Why? Because I'm speaking his word. And so like with the whole thing about the church being important, if you're not regularly involved with your church family, worshiping together, serving together, uh, reaching people for Christ together, if you're not doing that, then you're not glorifying God. That's what God says. I'm I'm saying it, but God's written it. We're going to be talking about some things in the next series called Redacted. Truth, uh, the truth that can't be talked about. And I'm telling you, there's going to be some things we talk about and helping us understand how to deal with people who are in different aspects of life and different social issues going on. I'm not going to get into the details this morning, but we're going to be talking about why. Because God talks about it. And so we talk about it. So when it comes to the church, we need to be part of a church family. We need to be helping each other and encouraging each other. But then we also need to be serving in that church. That's what he says here. And so whether it's up front or it's, it's in, the, in the back somewhere serving, we need to be doing because we're serving in the strength of God. Those who are doing children's ministry right now, for instance, they're worshiping God as, as much, if not more, than we are sitting here. They're there with the kids, helping the kids understand who God is. And yeah, I'm sure they'd love to be in here with the music and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But that's just as much of worship, just as much glorifying God as what we're doing, maybe even more, because of the impact that they're having on them. So that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, whom belongs to glory and dominion forever and ever. Are you serving? Are you serving your church family some way? Are you glorifying God through the giftedness that he's given you as a Christian to serve your church family? Are you doing it? It brings glory to God. To not do it does not bring glory to God. I, I know it's probably some people go, oh, you need to be so mean about it. I, I'm just, I'm from Chicago. I can't help myself. We just sound mean all the time. So let me just say this. Uh, 
say this, uh, one area of ministry. We, we believe that we need to, we need, always need to be taking steps of faith, okay? And so we're going to take another step of faith. And, um, and so we took a step of faith and took on a full-time music guy, um, who was Dave, and Dave went back down to Virginia, so now we're looking for another music guy, and so you keep hearing for that. But now we're going to take another step of faith. Another step of faith is sometime this fall, maybe January, but hopefully this fall, we want to take our Grace Kids ministry to two hours. Right now it's just 10.30. We want to do 9 o'clock and a 10.30. We have nursery both hours, but we want all the kids to have something to go to at both hours. We think that's how we're going to be able to grow and reach more people for Christ. So we've got one family who says, hey, we're committed. We'll go to 9 o'clock. Our kids will go to 9 o'clock. We're going to commit to 9 o'clock. So we've got a foundation family. But we need people willing to serve in Grace Kids. Now, serving in Grace Kids, some people are already getting dry-mouthed. Right here, I don't want to do that. I get that. But here's the deal. And not to, you know, denigrate those who work in children's ministry, but you're not, you know, it's not scary. You're going to hang out with a bunch of kids. I mean, that should be pretty fun. You might have to walk them from the room into the corner, have a music time and back. I know there's a little exercise involved, but I think you can handle it. We'll get you a scooter if you can't. Anyways, but no, you just... You just hang out with kids. When I, I can still remember my Sunday school teachers and those who helped in Sunday school. I can still remember who they are. Hey, and they're, most of them are in heaven right now, but I mean, I know who they are. I can name them. I know they're old enough that, they, that, we, that we didn't kill them. <laughs> I was not that bad of a kid. I just, I saw some of you guys, some of you guys were like, oh, you were a Helgen, weren't you? Uh, no, no, they got old. <laughs> they, they were 90, you know, I mean, they were getting older. Anyways, so what we're asking people is, hey, what can I do to help make that happen? And so if you're saying, hey, you know, I'd like to look into helping the kids out and just hanging out with the kids, because again, the teaching's done through video and some other things. So literally, you're going to be hanging out with the kids. Um, and I don't know if they still have juice and stuff. You might be able to drink some juice and have some snacks. I don't know if they do that, but maybe you just get a little energized from that. But fill out one of those connect cards. Just put your name on it, and hey, I want to do children's ministry, and put it in the, the offering bucket, and we'll talk to you more about that. If nobody does that, then we, we won't make that move. We'll just say, okay, God, it must be you saying we're not to make that move. Um, but we, we believe that's what God wants us to do, and, and God's going to bring people. Again, all of us should be serving some way, somehow. Not everybody should be doing children's ministry. I get that. Nor should we be doing schedule stuff necessarily, but we should be serving some way, somehow, in our church family. That's the way we glorify God in our lives. Well, as the band comes up, they're going to close out. Let me just say this, last thing. None of what we talk about on Sunday morning, especially this situation, what we're talking about, none of this matters at all if it doesn't change our lives, right? If our life doesn't change. If you walk out of here, hey, pastor, great job, you know, awesome message, preacher, oh, you stepped on some toes today, I'm going to wear steel-toed boots next week, you know. I, you know, fun, those are fun things to say, high five, great, thanks, appreciate it, God's good. But if we walk out of here and nothing changes, then it's all been for nothing. And so this morning, for our takeaway, I have one. And I'm going to let you guys figure it out. I'm not going to give you what they could be or what they should be. Today, I've decided to what in order to glorify God more fully in my life? We all have something in our life that needs to change. It needs to get back under what God wants us to be doing in order for us to glorify Him, to make Him known to other people. What is that one thing 
that you're thinking, you're sitting here and God's kind of maybe even laid on your heart. Oh yeah, I probably need to, to do that. Then write that down and say, okay, God, give me the strength to do it. Give me the understanding to do it. Give me for understanding from your, your Bible to know how to do that. Help, give me some people around me who can help me do that. That's what, one of the reasons why we have a church family. But what's the thing that God wants you to do in order for you to glorify him more fully? Logan?